songs. Hey everyone, welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. <laughs> Hello. Hello. We are um we are doing another remote episode, although it's yeah. not because of a worldwide pandemic. Um <laughs> it's <laughs> it's because our guest is in Orange County, which is far away from Los Angeles, or at least just too far to be driving for one silly podcast. Because traffic. Because yeah. traffic. So our guest today, she's a professor. She's a podcaster. She's a mom, of course. Heather McGuire. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you for being here. It's possible, Amanda, is Heather our first guest who has a doctorate? <laughs> I'm not sure. I Wait, think maybe. Do you, do you have a doctorate? No, I have my master's. I, I'm right. clo- I, I want to get my doctorate just so that I can say I'm a doctor. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'll call you doctor if you want. You don't yeah. have to have a... Yeah. Just, I just, I, I like really, I keep telling people at work, I'm like, I'm going to go get my PhD and then I'm going to wear a stethoscope to work every day, even though I wouldn't be that kind of a doctor. <laughs> I think that my kids have actually said before, like, oh, my mom's a doctor, but not the kind that like helps people. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well, that leads us uh, very nicely actually into, um, I have three kids. They're all boys, four, seven, and nine. I have three kids. Uh, they are, I have a son who's nine and then twin six-year-old girls. What you got, Heather? Okay. Well, I have a six-year-old daughter, Addie, and then I have a nine-year-old son as well, Landon. Nice. Awesome. Boy, oh boy. What a fucking week, you guys. Yeah. It, I feel like yeah. it's it's been a long week. It's been a long week and it's Tuesday. <laughs> Oh my you're god! Right. You're right. You're like, what a week! I'm like, Betsy. There's only been one day. There has been one day in this week. Well, two days, maybe three, if you count the Lord's I, Day. That's true. That's true. Depending on when you start your week, but yeah, it's only Tuesday. So, I'm excited oh. for you. Oh boy! Yeah. Ooh. What's been breaking you, Betsy? Oh. Let me tell y'all a story. Yeah, tell uh, it to us. Yeah. Okay. It's been a week. Okay, so so Ajax, my seven-year-old, he's the one with the tricky gag reflex. I've told a lot of stories about him and barfing all the time. <laughs> so I took him. So it was this past Saturday morning. He had breakdancing class. And, of course, everyone's like, coronavirus, coronavirus. Are you going to and we're like, oh, should we take him to the dance class? Like, the, you know, they're really close together and they're certainly not six feet apart. And, uh, and you know, he has a great time and we spent a lot of money to send him. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want him to die, but I did spend a lot of money. Um, so, we, so I decided to take him and in the morning he's, um, yeah, so he seems fine. He has a big bowl of cereal of, uh, of a uh, cinnamon toast crunch and we get in the car, we go. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so he's like not really participating or like he is, but he's really kind of half-assing it. And, um, and then he starts like sitting down and like whining that everything's too hard. And, um, and he's done stuff like this before. So it's, it's sort of like par for the course. And, um, 
And so, you know, I keep talking to him like, Hey, you know, um, uh, I, I, we're here so that you can learn how to do this. Of course, it's hard because it's a new thing that you're learning. Like I teach improv comedy to people like they're not, they're not amazing at it right away. It takes them a long time to get good at stuff. It took me a long time to get good at improv comedy. So it's going to take you a while to get good at this. And he's like, but everyone else is so good. And, and I was like, well, maybe they just practice a lot. And he's, he's just like upset and, He's um he's like a little he's a little husky guy. So he he feels like that's getting in the way and he said that. He was like, eh, I'm too heavy and I can't do what they do. And uh and so I'm trying to encourage him and I'm trying to get him just like to get back into it. And it's really like detouring the class. Um and also PS, like I feel like everyone's a little on edge just because of coronavirus. So I finally get him back into class, but the teacher keeps having to deal with him and like encourage him to get, you know, to, to participate and, um, you know, try to get him out of this funk. So it's like an hour long class. He's just, he's really pulling focus. He's making everything about him. Everyone's wasting a lot of time and energy trying to get him to dance, trying to encourage him. And, uh, you know, as a, as a, someone who teaches people, I, I see it and I get it. And I know how frustrating that is, um, for the other students and for the teacher. And so, so we keep talking, and like, uh, I keep pulling him over and having a talk and then he complains that I have coffee breath. And so eventually I get frustrated and I just, I leave the dance studio room and I go sit in the hallway, which is where all the other parents are anyway. And, and I'm like, you know, whatever, like whatever he's doing, maybe, maybe he'll do better if I'm not there. And, uh, and maybe he'll get it together if he doesn't have the distraction of me, who knows? So I go out into the hallway I'm in the hallway for like five minutes and all of a sudden, like out of a movie, everyone runs out of the dance studio yelling and like oh. running. And everyone's like, ah! like nope. it, rem- it was like something out of a movie. Like I feel like did that happen? <laughs> was there like a, a movie where uh, someone like throws a candy bar into a swimming pool and everyone like panics and yeah. freaks out? Yeah. What movie yes, is that? I, I can't yeah. remember what movie it, that is. It's, it's definitely Caddyshack. 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 Meatballs. Ugh, whatever. You, baby Ruth. <laughs> is it <laughs> Baby Ruth? Okay. So <laughs> so everyone runs out of the room and everyone's like ah, and uh, and it's like what what what's happening and and it's like Ajax is throwing up and not Ajax threw up. Ajax is throwing up. Oh. And I I go to the I I run to the studio and he's just standing there in the middle of the room (laughs) and there he's got his like legs sort of far apart and he's just and there's this big like puddle on the floor and he's just adding to it and he just keeps puking and and I'm like oh no and so I'm, I'm like oh god uh and I try to find like a tra- I find I try to find something mm. for him to puke into, and this place has nothing. There's no trash can. There are no paper towels. Um, I like run frantically all over the place. I find an empty cardboard box. No. I find a giant empty cardboard box. No. I'm like, I guess this is what I'm giving him because I don't know what else to do. And um, and everyone else has run out of the room. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and so I give him this empty cardboard box and he like he's like by then done puking but he's like puked so much like Ugh. all over the floor and um cinnamon toes crunch and it smelled like cinnamon toes crunch toes crunch it was <laughs> thank you for bringing that up because it was so disturbing it was like oh uh-uh. you're never gonna toes. be able to eat that again <laughs> and uh so i felt so bad for him because this has happened before in the past where we i talked about this a few weeks ago he wanted to go to like this school function and he had been throwing up then too (laughs) and uh and he really wanted to go to this like dance uh at school and i was like you can't do that because you're gonna i don't want him to puke and then be like the the thing that everyone remembers about the dance is that ajax puked so but man, I mean, he cleared the fucking room and then no one could, no one could do class because, because, uh, you know, there was a swamp in the room now. I tried to help clean it. And everyone also was like, is he sick? And I was like, oh, you know, he's got a tricky gag reflex. Like, I think maybe he was just working really hard or he got upset or maybe he <laughs> coughed. And because sometimes he'll cough and he'll like work himself into a barf. And uh, so I was like, I don't think he, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't think he's sick. I think he's okay. And, uh, and everyone's like, Ooh, like no one will go near us. Like we totally have the plague. We have the hantavirus. And I, and so I'm trying, so like, Oh God, I forgot the best worst part. So, so the, he's like heaving. And at some point I'm like trying to figure out what to do. And some of the kids all run back into the room with paper towels, but then one, they all run back out because it stinks. It's so bad. And then one kid just stops and he barfs. Some other no. kid <gasps> barfs in the middle of the hallway. <gasps> and he's like, oh, the barf made me barf. And it was just such a fucking mess. And, um, and, and so uh, I, I went in there and I got like the paper towels that other that the kids had brought in and then left and I tried to clean up but it was just like there was nowhere to throw them away there was no paper towel it was so bizarre and then eventually like the the maintenance woman of the space um came and started cleaning it up and I felt so bad and and strangely she didn't seem to be very prepared either she didn't like really have the right things to clean it up with i don't i guess no one ever barfs at their studio whatever um and <laughs> dance till you barf dance till you barf i mean mm. the the coach the, or the teacher and i were both like trying to sort of like pep talk him i was like you know what i remember jennifer in my volleyball team when i was in high school she worked so hard in practice and like and like she she worked so hard she threw up which is no true. you didn't yes no. she did she did jennifer <laughs> no 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 wait but you're telling him stories about people who did something so gross that you'll never forget them <laughs> no, no. <laughs> i thought it was more like she really pushed herself like and she yeah. was hardcore it's and like, then you know and then she went to yale ajax so you know <laughs> she was a three-sport athlete <laughs> so i just i i ended that dance class like just just sadly trying to like mop this all up it 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 was just and eventually i was just like um 
okay, well, um, I guess I'm going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And the lady's like, eh. uh, she's cleaning up my kid's vomit. And then we went home. And then later that uh, evening, he did it again at home. No, so he was totally no. sick. Oh. oh, he actually was sick. He was no, sick. No. I thought it maybe was just that he was dancing really hard. Like Jennifer. And now he's going to be like, dear Yale University. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could get into this program because once when I was a child, I danced so hard, I threw up like Jennifer. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> my, son, oh. my son actually threw up on his first day of kindergarten. Oh. Yeah. So I, it was one of those classic mornings. So at the time we were doing like, we were trying to be super healthy and doing green smoothies, which apparently mess with your stomach. So my oh. five-year-old, you know, had a green smoothie like you do. <laughs> and so then we're outside and I was taking his picture for the first day of school for kindergarten. And literally I had my camera in my hand and all of a sudden he just like puked green puke all over <laughs> The sidewalk right before school, his first day of school. Poor oh. kid. And my neighbor was outside and she like looks at me. I'm like, oh, he's not. I'm like, I don't think he's actually sick. He wasn't sick. He was just anxious. Poor yeah. kid. <laughs> oh my God. Green. That looks yeah. extra crazy. <laughs> it was pretty gross. <laughs> But I, I just feel so bad. I feel bad for him. And uh, and I also feel kind of embarrassed for me, honestly. Um, not to make it about me. But it, it was just a bummer all around for everybody. <laughs> you should just go back and be like, look, he pukes. Look. That's a thing He's got to go to Yale. He's, He's got to go to Yale. <laughs> <laughs> He's building character. I made him puke. I gave him something earlier to make him puke so he would be a successful person. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> so be it. It's uh, like a drink play. <laughs> a cool drink play. I don't know that much Christopher Durang, but I do know when I was in theater school, that was the anytime you wanted to do any sort of scene that was funny. Christopher Durang was like the only thing that was anyone yes. would ever use. Apparently, there are no funny playwrights. Yeah, yeah. There are no funny playwrights, only absurd playwrights. Like he just wrote like parents that were just neglectful to to like the deepest depths possible. Like, huh? yeah. <laughs> but, oh, why are you thinking of that? Oh no, I mean like maybe not neglect. <laughs> it, it, it's more like they're just so like I'm just fucking with you. Uh, oh, okay. I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's just funny. Uh, no. Anyways, I know I'm not neglecting yeah. him. I work not at all. You're keeping him <sighs> home by choice. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> You're the opposite. Uh, what has broken you? Um. Well, eh, so the uh, <laughs> the the girls have um. It, there was like a smell in their bedroom and I couldn't figure it out. This is um, a terrifying story. Yeah. And I like, it's so bad that I was like, is it a dead animal? Like it was like <gasps> really bad. And it came out of nowhere. Like I was like, I, I would have noticed this if this was like a creeping in smell where it was like over time, I was like, I think I smell something. 
Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, yeah, when, when I, I say you're a, like more, I smell something more. And when I was a kid, all the time it would be like, oh, there's a mouse dead in the wall. Did that happen yeah. to you guys all the time? No, 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 but, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> nope. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I lived in New York City, uh, I lived for a moment in time in a sig- single residence. SRO, single resident occupancy. Oh, yeah. For people who don't know what that is, do you want to explain it? It's like you live in a little bedroom. Like it's the size of a closet for most people where like a bed can fit and there's like a sink and it's about it. Uh, There's like enough room for a drawer and then you share bathroom with people, strangers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's sometimes there's like a common area. So there was a lot of us that were in theater school that were in this, but it was also mixed with people who qualified for low income housing due to their mental health. Oh, that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For people who were like this close to being on the streets, essentially. Or they, and theater students. And theater students. So, and the theater same. Students. so, um, they, but they, most of them were in like a day program and they would live in the single, in the SRO. Mm-hmm. So they'd go during the day for treatment and then they would come home at night and then they would live in their apartment. They like, they were just well enough that they could live in the apartment, but not well enough to be able to get a job. So it was a halfway or, house. Yeah, basically. And then theater students. Um, <laughs> Wow. So I lived there, but uh, the, down the hall, someone died. And I know what dead body smells like. Oh, Good story. Oh, my God, Amanda. Yeah. We were like, what's that smell? This <gasps> was one of those creeping smells where we were like, what's that smell? And then over like a day or two, we, it was like, that's a bad smell. Oh, God. That is a really oh. bad smell. And then we found out is because it was uh, like, you know, there's just something bad about a dead body smell and it was very bad there and you can't is? get out of your head yeah i never i have no idea what it smells like you don't, you don't ever want to know because once you smell it you're like i know what that is and then like it's like a weird like almost animalistic response to it where you're like that is a dead body that's a human body like Ooh. it was like oh yeah there, that place was that place was so Interesting. Like, I think I was 19, 18, 19 when I lived there. And it's like, so when I think about it, I'm like, my parents should never have let me be there. (laughs) Like, there was a lady who would wear Christmas bows, like, you know, the stick on ones all over her head. Oh. And she would just stand in front of the building. And anytime a person of color would walk by, she would scream at them and pull the fire alarm. Yeah. All the time. Fire alarm all the time. All the time. And then they would, they got to where they just got really good at turning it off, but that's not safe. Um, I wonder mm -mm. if a dead person smells anything like a dead mouse in a wall. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. No. No. I'm so sorry you know what that smell is. I'm so sorry you had to smell it for like two days. That's horrifying. Well, I have like, I could do a whole podcast on just stories of the people that lived in that building and the things that I saw and the things I had to do while I was there. Like it was, uh, it was an experience. It was great though for theater class because we had to do a lot of character studies. (laughs) So it was like, oh, just pick up floor. You know, like you have your floor. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was the most. Int- there was a hoarder. She would just p- go find stuff and then push it into her ho- her Oof. apartment, and then she slept in a bathroom. 
<gasps> in one of the shared bathrooms, but she would just <gasps> hoard her stuff in her apartment. Oh, that's and then, sad. Yeah. And then there's a lady with a dread that went down to her heels. Huh. Um, hmm. And so, like, they all, we everybody got names. Like, everybody would be like, or if they, if we actually knew, like, you got to where you knew them, so then you would talk to them. Once you get to know who they were, you would call them, you know, talk to them. But And then it's too late to ask their name, maybe. No, I mean, I so like, think you sleep in the bathroom, lady. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. She was Vivian, which is great because it's like the classiest name of all time. And she would just be like, get out of here. Somebody's in here. Like you could never go to the bathroom on that floor because oh, no. Vivian was always just living in the toilet. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to picture this. A bunch of like 18 year old kids. Yes. But it was 18 year old kids singing Rent. So it was like, yeah. oh no. I don't know what's worse. Vivian in the bathroom being like, go away. Or like a bunch of kids in like a little tiny common area going, oh, 525,600 no. years. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. Yikes. But I had an apartment on 70th Street and the Upper West Side on Broadway. So, you know, there you go. Who is the um? Who is the character in Harry Potter who's a ghost? Moaning lives- Myrtle. Yeah. Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. yeah, she was the Moaning Myrtle of the Stratford Arms. And when you would call the, the guy that would answer, Arms. What a yeah. classy name for an yeah. unclassy place. He would answer the phone and go Stratford, and so we all just called it the Ratford. Nice. Cause, uh, yeah, because that's what you do. Good one, kids. Ratford. Wait, mm-hmm. did you tell your story? No. We got on a no. weird tangent. Yeah. Oh, right. You got so to hear kids- about the Stratford Arms. <laughs> <laughs> right. So your kid's room smells so my kid's like room smells like it smells like Vivian's apartment. Um, where you're like, what is that? Uh, and I couldn't get to it. And I'm like, there's something I cannot figure it out. Well, one of my children has gotten in the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> can't wait this is so exciting <laughs> one of my kids has gotten in the habit of um oh shoot she poops she poops yes. in her pants oh and oh, then no. she hides the poop no it's a e- thing i've heard of this oh yes. no <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean, at least she didn't like you know hoard it like vivian would you know in a, in a bunch of jars or something at least it well, was like sense you know like i was like kate and something smells so bad and he's like oh it's probably her golf ball turds that she's high what he fucking called it no he was he found some the other day so it's like she's just having trouble and instead of telling somebody she gets embarrassed and then hides the pants or hides the turd and then we're like what is going on who's doing this and I'm not doing it. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and like, I, like, I just, so now we're finding like pants with poop in them hidden in places. And she's like hiding it because she doesn't want us. It's like that episode of, uh, of, uh, oh, was God, it family Remember when she was vomiting and she was like putting her vomit jars in the. Yes, this sounds uh, familiar. By the yeah. bell now. Was it saved by the it bell? Was, it was like um, I've definitely seen whatever episode this is. It sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. but it's like this. It's not that, but it feels like that. Where it's like mm-hmm. it's okay. You pooped your pants. We love you. You're you're six. You're you know like I think she's eating too many applesauce pouches. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and it it bothers her stomach. But um, yeah. So like every time now when I come home from work, she's in her pajamas. 
<laughs> and I kept thinking, like, oh, she's getting, like, she's being very responsible. Yeah, so proactive. And getting ready for bed. No, she's shitting her pants and hiding the shit and then changing and going, I just got in my pajamas. That's what I was doing to the sitter. And then she comes in and sits down like, I'm good. I'm all good. And it's oh so we have to find a way to address it and yeah. figure out how to get her to not poop her pants mm-hmm. and then hide it. <laughs> you got a little Howard Hughes on your hands. Yeah, that's another one. That's a good reference right there. Yeah. Uh, Did you ask her what what was going on? Uh, she denies it. Oh, <sighs> I don't know. I don't do that. Or she'll say, oh, yeah, I don't know, and, like, walks away. Like, she does not want to mm-hmm. – um, she does not want to be called out. She mm-hmm. does not want to – it's not like it, – it's not like we yell at her right. if she does no. it. So she's not getting punished, you know, like, so I'm not – there's just a shame there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think it's the applesauce because I think there's something about – the inability to hold it mm-hmm. or like it's coming on fast and then is it dairy maybe dairy it could, yeah kids stomachs yeah and she like is obsessed with um those yogurt tubes uh, oh go she eats yeah she'll eat gogurt like all day every day and i'm like stop eating the gogurt <laughs> and i find her like climbing in the freezer grabbing gogurt and then she's just like i don't know what you're talking about I'm like you're eating it right now you're eating yeah. it <laughs> that would do it <laughs> Just all the time, go-gurt. Oh, <laughs> I was say, six-year-old is, like, the common age where, like, lying starts to, like, kind of come yeah. out as well. Like, kids before the age of six can't really lie. So kind of around <laughs> the age of six, Not, they start to, like, experiment with lying. <laughs> My kids lied before six. Um, I, without a doubt. I Like, they have been lying since they were probably two. Where they're like, I didn't do that. She did it. No, I don't know who did it. <laughs> and they're like extra savvy. They, that is for without a doubt. That is that is so true. They are little shysters. They're going to be amazing when they get older. But damn. I think I've said this before on this show, but my four-year-old Odie, he doesn't lie about big stuff, but it'll be yeah. like, I'll tell him to do something and he doesn't want to do it. And like, he'll mutter under his breath, like, you're an idiot. And then I'll be like, what did you say? And he'll go, nothing. Nothing. So he knows, he knows it's not okay. Yeah. Um, It's like when they put the lipstick on and I'm like, did you put my lipstick on? And they're like, no. And their whole face is just red. I'm like, you know, you weren't in my makeup. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> What's that in your pocket when we go to stores and they shoplift? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be good. You know what? They're going to be either in jail or they're going to be like running the world. So we're going to see what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Little shit balls. Oh, oh. Heather. So disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. It's just so Everything disgusting. Everything is about body fluids. <laughs> the tree puking. And actually, this is not my story, but I have something funny to contribute right now. Oh, great. So, yeah. Speaking of vomiting and shitting. Oh, um, lovely. <laughs> lovely. No, I, like earlier last week, we thought my dog was dying. 
Oh, she, no. I know. Poor thing. She's, uh, I think she's like 11. And so she had kind of stopped eating and I was really worried. And so like long story short, she basically decided that I think she would rather die than eat kibble. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> she stopped eating. So I, like we switched her to this like soft food. And so she started eating again. But <laughs> it, basically the transition from kibble to dog food has been horrible and so she is just for her stomach and stuff yeah yeah Yeah. anyways we're in the process of redoing our floors and so we have uh like we're gonna be ripping out carpet this week and she like shit all over the carpet so what my husband did is he literally just got out a knife and like cut a square <laughs> in our carpet because I was like, well, I guess that's better than cleaning it up because we're gonna be ripping the carpet yeah. out. I guess it would, it's a, it's much better than if like let's say we just put in new carpet. So anyway, she's doing okay, but. <laughs> This week's sponsor is EveryPlate. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's Best Value Meal Kit. You can get meals that you'll enjoy and your bank account will love delivered right to your door. You can think about it like this. One meal is the same price as one cup of coffee. Holy cow, right? They are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. They come together in about 30 minutes. It's definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store, especially these days. And it's a lot easier than starting a meal from scratch. You're going to spend less time deciding what to cook and more time enjoying good food with your family. You never buy more than you need because every plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. You take the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. You gotta try every plate. Every single one of the meals they sent was delicious, and it was really quick to prepare, too. The thing that I liked most were the sweet and tangy cherry meatballs. Roasted zucchini, garlic mashed potatoes. It was so good. So get three weeks of Every Plate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WMD3. So that's up to a $72 value. That's 40% off your first three boxes. So get three weeks of Every Plate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WMD3. BetterHelp is our sponsor. I love BetterHelp. You know, in order to get help, sometimes you need help. BetterHelp is online counseling that is there for you. You go online, you take a little quiz about what you are needing or what you are experiencing. You know, are you having issues with depression, stress, anxiety, you know, sleeping, self-esteem, all sorts of whatever is going on in your life and you need to talk to someone and get some help. They're going to connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's super convenient and if you, uh, if they give you a counselor that you don't like for any reason, um, even though they have 3,000 different therapists, you can just request a new one at any time for no additional charge. Yeah. You can uh, schedule video and phone sessions and, or, you know, you can text your therapist. Uh, you can chat with them. There's so many different ways that you can reach out to people. Yeah. Makes and it it's easy and convenient. Exactly. And if you're a busy person on the go, you don't necessarily have time to drive all the way to an office and then wait and then talk to someone for an hour and then drive back to work or whatever. Nope. No. So the fact that you can do this so conveniently and you can talk to someone and get help 
It's awesome. Also, it's a truly affordable option. Why Mommy Drinks listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code DRINKS. So get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash drinks. Fill out a questionnaire. They'll assess your needs, get you matched with a counselor you love. Betterhelp.com slash drinks. Well, here, why don't you tell us? So what has broken you? Yeah. So, um... What you know, and kind of like thinking about what uh, what to talk about. Um, I decided to tell you, uh, you guys about my story with. So I'm. I, have you guys heard of Bracket Two by any chance? Do you mind explaining what it is? Yeah. So, um, Bracket Two. So I have a mutation on uh, a gene. So one of we all have genes that help fight cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not to get all serious or anything. I know we've had our, a few laughs already, right? It's so, been a no. very serious show about <laughs> shit and barf. <laughs> yes. yes. So, uh, no. So I have a mutation on a gene where the genes like primary function is to kill breast cancer cells. And so mine basically just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Uh-huh. And so, so the, the story of, so basically I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 30. So that was, I'll be 36, uh, in a month or so. And wow. Yeah. Whoa. Wait, yeah. what? So yeah. six years ago you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Whoa. So, but like, just to like back up a little. So I, I, I already said I have two kids and yeah, so I, yeah. So my daughter oh. was less than a year old at that time. So when I was 29, I was pregnant with my daughter and my dad let me know that he had the BRCA gene. So, um, basically he has, uh, two sisters and both of them at a very young age had gotten uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And then they found out that they had this, um, basically gene mutation. Right. And so I had never heard of BRCA, and, uh, you know, except it was like right about the time that Angelina Jolie was coming, you know, forward to talk about it. So I, like I had heard that she had had a surgery, but I didn't know very much about it. And right. so, so, so just yeah. for anyone who didn't know, um, Angelina Jolie went and had a, a voluntary double mastectomy. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So she had a, what's called a prophylactic double mastectomy. Got which it. is like a preventative double mastectomy. And in fact, when my dad told me he was BRCA positive after I kind of, I had like, you know, you hopped on the internet, of course, like you do. And I did like research and I was like, oh my goodness. Like if, if I have the gene, which I knew I, there was like a 50% chance that I could have the gene because my dad had it, my mom didn't. And so, you know, either I had his gene or her gene and hopefully mm-hmm. I had her gene. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I, you know, there's a possibility I had it. So even when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have my daughter. Um, I'm going to breastfeed. And then when I'm done breastfeeding, cause like people don't get cancer, breast cancer when they're 30, even with the gene. Okay. This mm-hmm. is like, maybe my lifetime risk was supposed to be 60%. And, you know, not anytime soon. It was super early. I was, you know, going to be like, you know, very proactive about the whole thing. And so I'm like, Heather, is this the sort of thing that people get like genetic testing for? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember my uh, my uncle died of muscular dystrophy when he was a teenager and we were really afraid that I um, 
had that. And, uh, maybe that's a story I'll tell sometime on the show, but, um, yeah, I, I got genetic testing and it turns out I, I'm not a carrier, but it was really, it was really scary, but you didn't, you didn't do the testing until after, after you, um, had your daughter. Yeah. Like, so like fast forward. So that was like in the summer and I had my daughter in summer and then, um, I breastfed her for, I breastfed both my kids for like five, six months. Um, I hate breastfeeding. That's just a Great Total job, though. Story. You did it. Nice I work. did it. I, I, I love what it does. And I love that I was able to do it. But I, I just hate breastfeeding. But you are not alone. <laughs> so long story short, in like January, I was just done breastfeeding. And the craziest thing happened. So I was like falling asleep in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, I like felt something. I was like half asleep. But I was like, there's something like weird on my boob. So I like, I, I woke up my husband and I was like, Nate, like, do you feel that? And he's like, what? Huh? You know, cause he was like, passed out. And, um, I was like, do you feel like, is there like a lump on my, on my breast? And he was like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I feel something and, you know, but he's like, just, you know, you, you wanted to get the testing done anyways. Like, why don't you, you know, you should make a doctor's appointment, but don't worry too much about it. You're probably fine. Oh God, um, that's is, so scary. Yeah. It was and like my like, worst okay, well, nightmare coming true. Don't worry about it. Just go back to bed, <laughs> go back to sleep. Were you able to go back to sleep? I, or did you just lay there like, Oh God. Well, okay. So my, my like knee jerk reaction was like, oh, well I just stopped breastfeeding. Maybe there's like a um, clogged milk duct. So I like literally like got up. Yeah. I got up. I got my breast pump, even though I'm like dried up at this point. And I start to try to like pump my like, you know, breast to see like, oh, will that like, will that change yeah. it or like whatever. And it didn't. And so I eventually, I mean, I don't really remember the rest of the night but I you know I eventually like convinced sure. myself that I was just kind of being a little crazy but it was kind of like the kick in the pants I needed to at least like make the appointment so I made the appointment with my you know OBGYN and I was like hey you know I want to get this testing done oh by the way I feel something it's probably nothing whatever and so he felt it and he's like well why don't we get um and I had, by the way, just like side story, I had had breast augmentation, uh -huh. um, like in my early twenties. And so uh -huh. he's like, well, it could just be like some scar tissue from your implant. He's like, but you know, um, you, we'll get you like an MRI and an ultrasound. And then we'll also, if you want, we'll order that genetic testing. Great. So I was like, okay, cool. And I kind of just, I mean, I don't want to say I forgot about it, but I kind of moved on and, you know, just like making the appointments I needed. And so I made the appointment and I and got you had a baby and a toddler, right? Yes. So like you yes. were busy. I was, and I was in this, you know, I just started this position. So I'm a behavior analyst. And, um, what that means is I work with kids, um, with autism and uh, before I was a professor, I was like working full time with kids with autism. And so I had just like accepted this position at an agency as a director level, like position, um, you know, and overseeing um, programming for like little kiddos um, with autism. So it was, it was a great job, but it was a really demanding and mm -hmm. stressful job. So I'm like trying to like put my all into that. And I have like an infant and I have, you know, um, a toddler of my own. Ooh. And um, so, yeah, it was like crazy time, right? Yeah. So I get my genetic testing done. 
but there's like this delay of getting my results back. And it was like some weird insurance thing. And there, like a bunch of like random things happened. I don't know. I was like supposed to get my results very quickly, but I didn't. I remember and- when I got my genetic testing done, the insurance was like being a bitch about it. And I was like, what would be more like <laughs> helpful for insurance right. to know that, you know, it's so, ugh, I hate uh, yes. I hate it all. Yes. Burn, burn I hate, it all I hate down. it all. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I got, you know, I did my appointment. I did like my MRI and my, um, you know, ultrasound and whatever. Mm. And they're like, well, you know, we see a little spot, but you, you just finished breastfeeding. We think it looks relatively normal. Um, why don't we now you're, we're waiting for those those genetic results. So when we get, you know, those genetic results back, if you test positive, then we should maybe biopsy it. Um, we'll biopsy it. But if you don't, let's just check you back in six months and, you know, kind of see, And I'm like, okay, you know, cause you know, you trust the radiologist to, you know, whatever degree. 100%. I, I, yeah. So I was like feeling okay about it. Now, I'm so going to ask like, you a really yeah. stupid question. Okay. Whenever people say like, and then we did a biopsy or whatever, I always assume that it's a painful, but like relatively not dramatic procedure. Like I get the sense that they put a needle in you and like, yeah. Or, or is it more invasive than that? I think it depends because what I, so what mm. ended up happening is I, I was like driving myself to like a conference. Um, You know, I'm like, I'm driving myself to the airport to fly out for a conference and my gynecologist, my OBGYN, he calls me and he's like, no, like, cause the, the radiologist was like, we don't need to biopsy it unless X, Y, and Z. Right. And then my doctor was like, no, we're going to biopsy it. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, so I'm maybe not okay. Mm. So I had, so what I had to kind of like answer your question, it was like a needle core biopsy and it wasn't such a big deal. I mean, I don't, you don't, nobody wants to have like needles shoved in their boob, but, right, right. Um, but you know, I mean, they numb the area and then they get like this like tiny sample. Right. And, and then I feel you like after you've had a kid or two also, like, it's like, well, oh, yeah, uh, just jab me with needles and uh, whatever you got to do. Exactly. I mean, you know, compared to childbirth, it was fine. (laughs) Totally fine. (laughs) Um, So anyways, the the results of that came back. And uh, I remember my doctor calling me and he was like, well, you know, it's not, you know, we didn't find cancer, but we found something called, so it's called like atypical ductal hyperplasia. And I was like, what is that? That doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and so basically like the recommendation and I still didn't have, this is like a month after I got my genetic testing done. I still don't have my like results back. Oh, dude. But like what happened was I like did my, like I did a little bit of research and I'm like this like atypical stuff, like this happens in like six year olds and I was 29, almost 30 at this point. Mm. And I was like, for me, that was kind of like the obvious, like, duh, you have the gene because you mm-hmm. wouldn't have these like weird atypical cells. And I just like something kind of came over me and I was like, well, am I, because once you have those atypical cells already, your chance of developing breast cancer is like 33% or something crazy oh. like that. Yeah. So those are kind of crappy odds, right? 
So I was like, I asked my doctors, I'm still waiting on my results and my genetic results. I'm like, am I totally crazy if I just ask for the prophylactic mastectomy now with what the information I have? I, you know, we're still waiting, still waiting. And I just felt like this sense of urgency for whatever Uh reason, like came about. And my, my doctor's like, no, like, I, I don't think that he's like, it's, it's totally up to you, but I, I think that that's like a, you know, a logical decision, you know, it's not, um, it's warranted. And so you guys literally the day before my mastectomy, I finally got my results back that I was bracket two positive, like at this mm. point, two months after my testing. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So at this point I had like just turned 30, um, at the, you know, my daughter's like nine months old and yeah, I find myself, um, you know, getting a double mastectomy. And, um, so I, because actually getting the fact that I had breast implants ended up being like a, a godsend because, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> uh, because they were able, so typically, if you get a mastectomy and you want to do, if you, you know, if you want to like, obviously not everybody decides to do this, but most people do that, you know, you have to get like the implants put in, but it's more painful because they have to kind of like, you know, stretch out. Mm -hmm. So I already had the pocket in place. Um, and so they were, and I was young. Um, and so they were able to do what's like a, a, a one step surgery where they put like the implants in like right away. Um, and, uh, so that, I mean, it was a long surgery. I think I was, you know, under for like five hours or something, something crazy like that. And so, but yeah, I didn't walk into the surgery thinking that I had cancer at all. Like they, I think they had said to me, oh, maybe you have like a 5% chance, you know, of having breast cancer, but we don't, I mean, you're super young we don't think you have breast cancer, you know, you're going to be, you know, you've caught it, you've caught it early. Right. Uh And so then I, you know, I have my surgery, you know, I stay overnight at the hospital, go home. And I mean, it's not fun either. Like, so when you get a double mastectomy, you get these like um, drains. I don't know if you you guys have had drains, any sort of surgeries or whatnot. I've had like, I think we know what you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. They're disgusting. And so, I mean, it's in, you know, it's a, it's like a six week um, or so recovery. Oh my from god! A double mastectomy and a yeah, so it's it's a pretty big deal. Oof. Yeah, wow. and so I'm like recovering and kind of feeling okay though because it you know it hurt, but it was you know I had pain medication, supportive family, and I was okay. And so then I like you know a few days after the surgery, I'm like I remember I'm like downstairs sitting on the couch, and um, my doctor calls. And he tells me that I had cancer already. And had as in past? So when I found out, because I had had the double mastectomy, they, I no longer had cancer at that present moment. They had taken out. So I know it was incredible. So you had a fucking mastectomy. So it wasn't that prophylactic. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. So I thought I had a prophylactic double mastectomy, but the oh. reality is I already had breast cancer. Now I had what's called ductal carcinoma in situ, which is like stage zero breast cancer, which in mm. the U S we classify as breast cancer. 
there are like other countries that classify it as like pre-cancer. Uh-huh. But again, it's like it typically, you know, it, it does like develop into like a more serious cancer later, you know. So I, I was very, very fortunate because Thank I God didn't you need like surgery. chemo. I didn't need radiation. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So but I did. So uh, unfortunately, a week after all this, so that the, the doctor's like, the good news is that you don't have cancer anymore. The bad news is that, you know, we feel like the margin, because when you do a prophylactic double mastectomy, they actually uh, take out all the tissue inside of your breast, but they leave the tissue, like, you know, you still have like, to, you know, be specific, like your areola, your nipples, you still have all that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a friend who had a double mastectomy when she had breast cancer and she didn't, uh, get to keep all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when you have it done prophylactically, like I did supposedly, um, you get to keep your skin, um, your, all that. So except a week after my surgery, the doctor actually had to come and lop off one of my uh, nipples just to make sure that there was no cancer in it. Oh, yes. That's really hard. Yeah. So anyway, so the, the, I had that surgery and the, like, they didn't find any other. So when they, when they took off that, they didn't find any other, um, cancer in those, in those cells or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, and later on I ended up having the, you know, plastic surgeons are amazing, like what they can do. Mm -hmm. And so, um, actually my plastic surgeon, so like, even though they took off like the, the nipple, the areola was still there. So my, actually my plastic surgeon was able to kind of, um, like reconstruct my nipple, if you will. Yay! So actually like, as it stands right now, like I, he, I had an amazing plastic surgeon, Later on, I had a follow-up surgery um, where he like fixed it so that it looked all nice and pretty. Um, oh, and, that's great! And, yes. So I mean, the the and I haven't so like this is like six years ago at this point, um, but which is really quick. Like yeah, the fact that they because uh, I have a I have a very good friend who had a um, breast reduction and. I got the sense that just from from talking to her and seeing the the scars and stuff, I got the sense that when it's plastic surgery to look for the for the purpose of looking pretty, they'll be really careful. But if it's plastic surgery for like a a health reason or you know what I mean, that that it doesn't that they don't that they don't always work hard to make it look nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, the I fact think that, that they worked hard for you to, to make it look pretty is like yeah. really amazing. It, no, it, it totally is. And I mean, for, you know, I, I, as a, as a woman, you go through so much like when, you know, so you, I, you lose feeling in, you know, you, you no longer have feeling in your breasts, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, you just like go through so much. So the fact that I feel like now the, the, the trend is more towards caring about those things. So, you know, I, I have my breast surgeon who like, you know, basically made sure the breast surgeon and the plastic surgeon like work together. 
So I have the breast surgeon who like made sure from a medical perspective that he like lowered my risk to the lowest possible, right? And mm. then he partners with a good, a really good plastic surgeon who comes in and makes it look nice and pretty as much as possible so mm -hmm. that, you know, because the trauma of something like this can mm -hmm. be, you know, it can be hard. Here we are like six years from now and I can finally talk about it without crying. Um, but it's, but it, it's hard. And at the time, you know, and, and I know, I, like, in terms of how this relates to parenting, I, we haven't, you know, really approached that yet. It was, it, it was a very, very challenging time for me, because I, my, my daughter wasn't walking yet, you know, I couldn't mm -hmm. even pick her up. And mm -hmm. so I think like, as a mom, you feel so defeated, mm -hmm. you know, when you can't do the basic needs for your kids. And so what I, you know, what happened kind of initially when I was going through all of this, um, was that I, you know, kind of even like emotionally separated myself, especially for my daughter, because Aww. I felt like an incompetent mom to an extent, right. Uh, you know, like, especially for those like six weeks afterwards, um, you know, I just, you know, you feel like, other people are having to do everything. And I don't know, I'm a control freak, at least. So I like have to have things done a certain way. And I'm always like, you know, dotting my eyes and crossing my T's. So mm -hmm. to like kind of have your whole world like flipped upside down as a mom, you just start even though it's not logical, you just kind of feel like a failure, if you know what I mean. I, I do. I mean, I haven't, I haven't experienced exactly what you've experienced, but on a much smaller scale, I remember, you know, my first two kids are 20 months apart. And I remember feeling so terrible um, when I just kind of got to the point where I couldn't really, I just had no energy and yeah, couldn't, mm -hmm. couldn't really pick them up. And just, yeah, I, I remember feeling like what you just described, just like, oh, I'm a bad mom and I, I don't have time or energy for you. And oh, yeah, it's awful. And I, yeah. I can imagine that, uh, you know, for you on top of that, I'm sure there was this layer of uh, fear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting though, too. So through the situation and like, nobody's going to be like, I'm so glad I had breast cancer. Like, obviously not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, but I am going to say that. Yeah, no. no, I'm not. But I, at the same time, I, for me, it ended up being like a kind of a turning point in my life. Right. Whoa. And so, so f there was a, through all this, I, I, without getting into like all the details, I ended up having to have a few different surgeries more than just that. And, um, our nanny at the time we found out she was stealing from us basically what? 2014. Oh my God. Yes. It was Who so stealed? bad. What? I know. I Who know. Was oh my God. From I know. Going through all that. Literally. Yes. That's so, so that's like shitty. the next level. Yeah. It was, it was. And so there was a period in time where like we were trying to find a replacement, you know, um, a babysitter for, for my kids and my son, you know, I, there's this like moment in time that's like ingrained in, in my mind. He was playing on the floor with our like newest babysitter and he couldn't remember her name. And he was like, you know, he said the first nanny's name. He said the second nanny's name. And that literally, like, if you th think about, like, a time that broke you as a mom, like, mm. that moment broke me. Because I was like, okay, I, something has to give in this moment. And I had this, like, stressful job. And at that point, I was done having all these, like, surgeries and all that. And I was kind of coming out on the other side of that. Um, but I was like, you know, I think I, I think I need a minute. And so I, like, went to my husband and I'm like, 
I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> and he was like, what? Because I, I mean, I have a doctorate. I have like a lot of school debt. I like, <laughs> I, I, can we just talk about how you're like, can you feel my breast? And he's like, what? And then you're like, <laughs> And then you're like, I'm going to quit my job. And he's like, what? <laughs> Get it together, Nate. <laughs> Poor Nate. He's going to listen to this podcast episode. He's going to be like, thanks, Heather. <laughs> I like that. He's probably a very accomplished grown up. He's, he's an amazing what? husband. We've, been, we've actually been married for like 15 years. It'll Aww. be December. We got married when we were babies. Um right out of college but yeah so I went to him and I'm like you know I, I'm gonna quit I'm done and you know he was really he he was really well initially he was really shocked but he was really supportive and wow. yeah so financially like we found a way to you know make it work and oh. and really that year I was able to you know coming out of all this I was I was able to I, I never like quit completely I I, I was still doing a few things like on the side. So I was able to kind of, you know, feed my professional sense there, you know, self in that way. But I was able to, you know, connect with my kids. And then actually it was like a year later that I um, got the job that I have now at the university where I work and which is like the dream job, you know, where being a professor is so much fun. I love teaching. I teach grad school. I love teaching. And, um, you know, uh, on, on top of that, I get to, I teach, uh, in person, I teach online, but I have an amazing flexible schedule. So it's not to say I like, I would, Oh, I'm so glad I had breast cancer. No, but at the same time, <laughs> I think like that it was definitely a, a point in my life, like where I like was able to confidently stand up and make choices to kind of change the trajectory of my life. If you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, wow. and that's a tough thing to do to change yeah. the trajectory. So hard. It's so much easier just to be like, well, I guess this is just what's up. Just keep doing. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes it takes something like that, right? That like rocks your world so that you mm -hmm. have, you know, the yep. confidence to kind of shake it up. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. What a crazy story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Heather. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I'm glad that it, like, you're pretty amazing to be able to see how it changed you in a positive way. Yeah, a silver lining in that yeah. awful experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's really rough. That's super scary. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't think I would have ever, so, you know, kind of like fast forward to like a year ago when I started, um, so I, I started my podcast, Prism Parenting, and I'm like focused on trying to like help parents and working with kids with different behavior issues and things like that. You know, I like this week, for example, um, the podcast that's live as we're recording this right now is like on helicopter parenting mm. and, you know, how things to consider when you're being, you know, you're worried about like balancing, being overprotective, but also, you know, obviously keeping your kids safe, right? Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Uh, we talk about how to motivate your kids. So one of the things that I'm passionate about is teaching parents how to use, um, you know, positive methods to incentivize their kids, you know, to behave appropriately, right? So hmm. using like reward systems. Um, and I have um, actually a free guide um, that I've developed for parents. Um, if you go to prismbehavior.com forward slash 
free guide. And by the way, it's prism and not prison, P-R-I-S-M. I always have to like enunciate that. <laughs> not prison yeah. behavior. That, I, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, parenting is a prison. Am I right? Yeah, basically. Right. No. Prismbehavior.com forward slash free guide. Basically what it does is it walks parents through how to motivate kids, you know, based upon their different age groups. Right. So from young kids to then, you know, more geared towards like kids in preschool to like early elementary, for example. Amazing. Well, before we go, Heather, is there anything besides your podcast and your guide that you would like to uh, promote? Uh, Where can people find you online? Yeah. So I, on Instagram, I'm uh, prism behavior and, um, yeah, I'm opening up a, a course soon where it's just, you know, for parents who, who really are struggling with their kiddos behavior. Um, I have a course that is like, you know, basically geared, it's a video based course to help parents. So it's called parenting with confidence. You can find it more about it. Um, on my website, prism behavior. That sounds amazing. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe, rate, and review it. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, like our Facebook page, join our Facebook group, uh, send us your shit shows, and buy some merch. We've got super cool merch, and all of this information is in the description of this episode. Kaka! Copy with your shit show. 424279884. Copy with your shit show. 424279884. Copy with your shit show. 424279884. Well, Heather, thank you for thank you for coming on and telling us that story. And um Heather, you are doing a great job. Oh, you're doing a great job. Oh, thanks. Thanks, friend. Amanda, you're doing mm-hmm. a great job. <laughs> Thank you. You found the source. Yeah. Sniffed it out. Yeah, the room smells better. So there's yeah. that. And it wasn't a dead body. Mm-mm. So that's wasn't a, a dead body. Lining. Silver lining. Betsy, <laughs> you're doing a great job. Thanks. Mean it. Oh boy. Oh. Well, you know, you might find yourself um <laughs> reaching for a cardboard box to <laughs> shovel your kids' vomit at a dance studio. Or you might be sniffing out little poop balls in the corner of your kids' room. Or you might realize that you had cancer before you <laughs> Before you even know you had cancer, uh, know know that you know what you are doing a great job. My mommy drinks. Hey guys, I'm Stevie Nelson. And I'm Dave Horowitz. And we're the hosts of Iburn Everything. It's a podcast about food and relationships, which, you know, if we're being honest, are two out of the three things people want to talk about anyway. What's the third thing? Netflix. Okay. We'd like you to rate, review, and subscribe if you like it. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, iPod. Stitcher. Do you still have iPods? <laughs> <laughs> if you have an iPod, do it on an iPod. I don't know. If you have a Zune, do it on your it's Zune. probably hard to even charge them now. Yeah, good luck. And if you have a Tamagotchi, you can't do any of this. Yeah, you can't stream audio on a Tamagotchi, but you you can feed them. Yeah, you still so keep feed feeding those it. little buggers. They're hungry. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Campfire. <laughs>